Wonderfuls, welcome back, and I hope that you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I saw that some of you were downloading us on Thanksgiving Day, which oh was goodness. kind of fun. Uh, so thank you. I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for you, Noah. Mm. I missed you. I missed you too. But it's not about us, Noah. No. Our love will be rekindled later. Today, <laughs> it is about our guest, Jessica Whalen. Did I say your last name correctly? Yes, you did. Fantastic. Yeah. It seems like thank you. It seems like an easy one, but I have messed up other ones. So I just want to check. I appreciate that. Jessica, I've already said this to you off not camera, but off mic, I guess. But thank you for joining us today and putting up with all the scheduling stuff. No, it was no problem. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I feel very fancy. Your setup is Pretty legit. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica, before we get started, I'm just going to give the people a quick little descriptor of you, and then maybe you can unpack that and tell us a little bit about what you think you do. Not that I have a better, you know, perception, but just give the more accurate personal I'm side of what I'm saying. I'm a little nervous about what you, someone else would introduce <laughs> would say, me as. Well, I took it from, as we were discussing, LinkedIn. So I think yeah. you wrote it yourself. So okay. hopefully you're proud of it. But Jessica <laughs> is a videographer, an editor, a content creator, and a storyteller. And recently, not recently, recently, but recently, most recent, owner of Troubadours. Is the, Am I saying that correctly? Yeah which is a fashion, wedding, music, and brand video company that seeks to celebrate the beauty and importance of those everyday moments through visually crafted stories. So, Jessica, who cares what I'm saying, though? Why don't you tell us about who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about? Oh, that's a lot of it's a, a lot of things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, just keep listing so things. like things. Just list all the questions <laughs> that you have. Who are you as an artist? Who are you as a wife? Who are you as a friend? You know, let's, This is going to be an efficient episode. This is part okay. one of ten. <laughs> yeah. all right. Excellent. Um, no, so, yes, my name is Jessica Whalen. That is correct. And I do own a company called Troubadours. And I've had – I've been – running Troubadours for like six-ish years. And then I'm just about to enter, um, I think 26, 2017 was whenever I went full-time with mm. Troubadours. And um, when I was in college, I got, um, I have two degrees. One of them is in digital media cinema and the other one is in intercultural studies. So from the very beginning of kind of figuring out that's what I wanted to do, my whole point has been that um, humans, real life people are like the biggest source of inspiration. So that's kind of where that um, like everyday life documentation came into play. Um, just, yeah, just understanding, I think for me personally, understanding that um, your story doesn't have to feel epic mm. um, just by showing up to your life, like you're my biggest inspiration. So I want to document you um, is kind of where all that came from. Hmm. So I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Very nice. Thanks. So yeah, so we do a lot of weddings right now. Um, we're working on transitioning um, to where we're doing a lot more, like a little more of a balanced kind of project. And I will accidentally fall into we because my husband helps me out. So we're kind of a team, but it's my company. Mm. So the mm. royal we is. Sure. As okay. So just to <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because yeah. from looking at your guys' stuff, I saw that obviously he has a presence mm-hmm. and, you know, I would see sometimes the – him. what's his name? James. James mm-hmm. and I or whatever. So I was curious if it was a, a fully joint venture or – Yeah. You know. So I 
I run the company full time and, uh, he's been pushing me a little more to like own the fact that I own the company mm. and that he, um, comes in and he's my second shooter and he does a lot of our like post work coloring. Mm. So he's an audio engineer by trade. So that's what he does. Nice. Full time. He does audio and like stage tech and stuff for a church. Mm. So. Well, yeah. we can make that official here. It is yours, Jessica, okay? <laughs> it is hers. He's the second shooter. That's but it's right. It's yours. That's and right. you heard it here. Did you guys meet at school at JBU or did you meet beforehand or after? We met while I was in school, but he's older than me, so he was out of school. Okay. Um, so I was in my last semester of college, which is a really Great time to start a serious relationship. Highly suggest <laughs> yeah, yeah. adding that to the already like list of existential crises you'll be having. Um, so I, he was an audio engineer. I was the musician for the church that we were at, and then I was working on my like senior thesis project or whatever for the cinema program, and really needed audio. <laughs> so <laughs> it basically was. If you want to spend time with me, you should come and help me out with my school stuff. And so, yeah. And so at the time that we were, like, organically meeting, we were also being set up on a blind date that then we realized was each other. And so uh, it was just all meant to be, I oh suppose. My goodness. Destiny was pushing hard for you, too. It was like, <laughs> if this doesn't work out, I got this other thing cooking. Yeah, exactly. It's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, obviously, this is kind of a hard hypothetical question to think about, but um, I'm a a romantic, so I got to ask it. Sorry, Noah, slash not sorry. But, you know, since he's a second shooter, you said that his his main thing is audio engineering. Did him kind of being creative or having some art stuff play into what attracted uh, you to him? Or do you, is it really, it's like, that's cool, but you know, uh, that that doesn't matter. Because I've talked to some artists and it seems like, oh, I don't think I could be married to an artist while others are like, I like it being separated. So I'm just wondering what your take is on that or what your guys' dynamic is when you work together. I think that having like our individual like expertise, for lack of a better word, kind of helps that to where we can be each other's sounding boards. But there's not a lot of space for like direct competition. As Mm -hmm. weird as that would be to feel competitive against your spouse. I do think like if you were both trying to do the exact same thing at the exact same time, one of you would want to like take direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that kind of helps where he knows what he's really good at and I know what I'm really good at. And so we can kind of stand in those and we understand that everything we do is for like the same goal. So mm-hmm. I think that that kind of played in when it came to like thinking about it in the future. I did really love working with him from the very beginning. Our personalities mesh really well. We're the kind of couple that can take really long road trips without fighting. Like mm. we work really well together. We have um, personalities that are like similar where they need to be similar and opposite where they need to be opposite. Um, I think it was more his life philosophy that really like got me interested in him. Um, But then seeing pretty early on that, like, we could have a future where we're, like, collaborators was definitely, like, an appealing thing to think about while we were standing there working on my projects. Mm -hmm. Um, It was something that I could easily see us doing forever, and that's kind of our goal now, too, so. Nice. Yeah. 
I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, going back then to uh, your time at JBU, uh, Noah and I both were digital cinema majors as well. Noah left because I always say he found out he could get paid earlier, so, <laughs> which I'm still to this day jealous. Every time I pay a student loan, I go, Noah! Not, <laughs> Noah's still on that journey as well, but still, I'll be on it longer. Mm. Tell me about your senior film. I'm curious seeing where you kind of ended up with Troubadours and the kind of stuff you make. Uh, I, I want to know about what that senior film was and if it kind of planted the seed for the kind of stories that you want to tell now. Yeah, so my senior project was a little bit different. Um, (laughs) I'm going to sound so selfish. I didn't want to do like a big crude project. I Mm -hmm. wanted to do one where it was just me because Mm -hmm. so much of our education was working with other people. So I wanted to really see like if I could come up with a project and shoot it and edit it and do all those things. Mm. So I... Um, went back to like one of my original um, interests and did live performance music videos, but I put them in weird places because I was just kind of playing with the idea that if one thing is kind of off about the experience, you'll pay closer attention. Hmm. So we like went to Oklahoma City and filmed this folk musician playing in front of a meat counter in the strangest looking grocery store I'd ever seen and <laughs> things like that. And so it was just like a series of a few different like grocery stores, laundromats, um, just places like that. So mm, that was great. what instead of doing like one big film where I needed a bunch of people to help me, I wanted to kind of experiment before I even graduated on like my own capabilities on my just without anybody else yeah that makes sense was it hard pitching that to i assume steve snedeker or was he uh like yeah do it um so i have known steve snedeker since i was really little oh like he and his his daughter and i were like preschool age stuff together okay so Um, I think between knowing me and then I had had a couple different experiences while I was getting my degree that I think he had earned, I had earned his trust a little bit, but there was also like this underlying word of like, yeah, but if we watch your first draft, like be ready to start something else. If this first round isn't good, like have a backup (laughs) plan. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) yes and no, he didn't, he trusted me. Okay. Yeah. Transitioning to a different sort of creative outlet that you took part in, I, I, a little birdie told me that you used to be in a band called the Car Alarms. Is that correct? That is true. That is true. Tell me about that and uh, why that is no longer a thing, and if you will potentially get back into music ever. Slash, are you still in music? I'm making assumptions. I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, so I guess it's kind of a part of like my journey as a creative, but I've always loved music. Music was or is kind of my first like actual memory. Um, My grandpa played like bluegrass music in his tractor shop with all of his like neighboring farm friends. Mm -hmm. And so my first memories of just like being alive are like hanging out with a bunch of bluegrass musicians. And so it's always been a part of my life. Um, and so I've always kind of had it in my, like either through like worship at church or then the car alarms was a folkish band, um, where that was one where like I was writing for it and things like that. And that was 
so much fun. And it literally just stopped because, like, the guy that I was, um, that, like, we were the ones writing all the songs. He moved away. And so that, that was where, <laughs> yeah. So he like moved uh, too far away, and we were like, I was finishing college, and he was figuring out his life, and so it just kind of stopped because we were trying to be adults. But <laughs> um, no, but it was so much fun whenever we did it, though. Like, uh, we got to we got to play a bunch of shows, and like we got some Oklahoma shows. So you know, we were like traveling out of state. Yeah, it felt yeah, really wow. cool. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, and it was so much fun. And every once in a while, like, it'll like pop into the back of my head of like how much I want to do it again. But then I'm also not sure I ever want to try to like monetize it. I think it's one of those Mm -hmm. things because I do have a creative profession Mm -hmm. that other, like, I want to keep that one special and not have it, um, like depend on any kind of return and only do it because I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, like, I still play music for, um, like, church and worship settings and in my house for no reason and things like that. But, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I feel like even with myself and maybe even with Noah, like, there's things that would be deemed creative that we enjoy doing. But it's kind of like if you tried to go hard at it or, like, it might take the fun out of it. Or it's like, well, I already have my main thing that Mm -hmm. I'm working on so yeah that's what I was saying to someone like because I don't know because I feel like my like video work and film and things like that like it could handle the pressure because of how you learn it in school like it can handle the pressure of deadlines and people critiquing it and you know as it got as it grew of it being my source of income like it could handle that pressure and I could still love to do it every single day Mm-hmm. Where if I had to put that kind of pressure on music, I'm not sure that I would continue to love it or hold it in as special of a place as I do right now. Yeah. That makes sense. So you said that music was like your first memory. So when did kind of videos and, and music is storytelling, but when did the you know film and stuff, when did that uh, passion and, and love for that come into play? Um, I found it. Totally on accident. Beautiful. So I'd always wanted to be something creative. Like I did want to be a musician for a while or I thought about maybe doing like creative writing or something. But I kind of felt like anytime I tried something creative, I was like just mostly mediocre at it. I didn't find something that just really felt like this is why I'm here kind of thing. And so um, when I got to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I had um, gone through the, like, course catalog, and I'd circled all the classes that seemed interesting to me. And that's how I found my first degree of intercultural studies. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding, like, precocious or whatever. But um, I was about—whenever I was declaring my intercultural studies degree— my advisor told me I was going to graduate at the end of my sophomore year of college. And that was terrifying because mm-hmm. I would have been 19. And like, Dang. I was like, <laughs> I don't, that I'm not going to be ready for anything adult at that point. Mm. And so, and I had scholarships for four years. So I, and I feel like education, especially as a woman, is like nothing to be taken for granted. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be here for, for all four years. And that was my freshman year. And I had, Almost all of my friends 
in school were seniors my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And they were all working on their senior film. And they needed to shoot at the coffee shop that I was working at. Okay. And so I was just, like, babysitting them overnight during a shoot. And I was just sitting there, and I was watching it. And I was like, I don't know anything about this. Like, I had not hmm. done anything creative on a computer. I had done, like, some photos for yearbook. And, like, that was it as far mm-hmm. as camera experience. But there's just something about, like, what was happening while this was being made that I knew— Like, that was what I wanted to do. And then as I started kind of thinking about it in my own context, it was also the height of, like, the Invisible Children movement. So you were watching these videos, like, uh, cause, like, an entire group, an entire generation, like, to wake up to social issues. And Mm -hmm. so as I was learning about people, and then I started seeing these stories that were being used to teach, like, empathy and things like that to other people— I just decided that without knowing what I was getting into, I was just going to declare it as my major, and I was just going to work as hard as possible to overcome, like, learning curves. And then from the minute that we got to the point where we were actually making projects, like, it was—and I still have this. Like, there's just this physical reaction that happens, like, when I pick up my camera that I'm like, this feels like an extension of me, and Mm. I love it so much. So it was a total accident. Um, Mm total like fate thing. <laughs> it sounds like I f- fell in love with some, with a career, but I did. Um, so yeah. Well, that sounds lovely. Yeah. I, I want to affirm all of that, that whole uh-huh. story because yeah, if, I think that if I was able to like get out quickly of school, I would have been all pretentious and been like, yeah, like I'm, ugh. and so I think it's cool that mm-hmm. you go, Oh, I'm, I'm not, I don't think mature enough to leave yet. Like after only a little bit, like I want to soak up all the education and, um, you know, just learn life and all that stuff. So I think that's cool. Um, kind of how starting with that one major and how it kind of bled into the other one. So also I I forgot about invisible children. As soon as you said that, I was like, Whoa, I I just got all these flashbacks. I I think I just made myself sound old, which is weird because that wasn't that long ago. But like, I think I just dated myself by saying invisible children. (laughs) I was going to say, I remember in 2008 first watching like one of the main documentaries. Yeah. It would have been about then. Is that when it started? Yeah. yeah. Cause it was right around the time. Cause I graduated from high school in 2007. So it was right around the time that I was getting into college was when it kind of like exploded mm-hmm. onto the scene. Yeah. Wow. Did you have something? Well, I'm just, this is like only slightly related, but I'm curious. Um, was there a moment after you sort of, like I said, kind of fell in love with the career where you were like, wait, everyone else is doing this as well? Like, because it is, I, and so it is pretty saturated, right? Like yeah. there's, like, yeah. especially oh, with sure. like wedding stuff and yeah. all these things. And yeah. so, um, and and there's like the, the age old complaint of like, well, anyone can do this nowadays because it's, you know, whatever. But um was there like added pressure because of that and like maybe like dis- discouragement or did that just kind of fuel you like, well, I'll be different. Um, I'm going to do it my own way. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think that at first it was just this total overwhelm when we finally started like getting to where we were making projects. Cause you know, a lot of it is like at first you just study theoretically, like you yeah. watch films and you learn about these things, but it's not on you to create projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in there, and I was like, oh, like, I am in classrooms of people who have been doing this since they were, like, 12 years old. Right. 
And I, mm-hmm. and I know I'm only like 18 at this point, mm-hmm. but I still, I have all of these years that I don't know what I'm doing. And these people already know what they're doing. But I actually, so I had an adjunct in my editing class, like my first editing class, and he kept counting me off at, uh, for creativity because I wasn't doing like epic edits. I wasn't doing like sports fast mm. adding effects. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I sent him like all of these YouTube links of projects that I, of films that I wish I had made. Mm. And I'm like, this is what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. And and once I ha- explained that to him, he kind of understood. He's like, oh, I just didn't even think this was where you would come from. Mm. And so I think that having that kind of experience at the very beginning, I had to pretty quickly just learn to stick to my guns and mm. pay attention to, like, what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then I think, too, like— uh, so, do you guys know much about the Enneagram? Have you studied that? Whoa, get out of my head. That's one of my <laughs> questions. Okay. Jessica, come on. No, Lil, yes, go ahead. I'm an Enneagram four wing five. So, my entire life is wrapped up in the phrase, I'm just going to do it my way. And I'm going to like focus on what I can do that is unique. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird thing, like, whenever you bring up the wedding industry, especially like it's, it is very saturated. Mm. But when it comes to the video side of it, it's not saturated with females. And so, yeah. like, I I mean, the the whole film industry, like, only, like, 6% of directors are women and oh, less yeah. than 1% are cinematographers. Mm, yeah. And so that carries in through all realms of video just because it it's a really physical job. Mm. It's the kind of job that, like, you have to disappear because you have to be listening and watching. So it's hard, I think— there are a lot of barriers that women don't know that they can, like, overcome. Mm-hmm. And so it, and so it's been such a male-dominant thing. So I think that that kind of helped me find a spot immediately of, um, in weddings, but in everything of, like, I bring a unique perspective simply by being one of the few women doing yeah. this. Um, so I think that that helped. But then for the most part, yeah, it's incredibly saturated. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, because being a— Enneagram four, my like deadly sin or whatever is like jealousy in comparison. Mm. And so there are moments where I do feel like super discouraged of like everyone's doing it or like, oh, now even photographers say that they can do video because their camera has a video video. mode and things like that. And it's just like, it's, it's a moment by moment practice for me to just remind myself that, um, just like I believe that everybody has a unique and special story worth telling, mm-hmm. that, like, I have a unique reason to be telling those stories. Right. And that sounds super cheesy when I hear it in these headphones. <laughs> but that's kind of where it is of just, like, um, and I don't, I try to not pay attention to a lot of other videographers. Sure. Um, I kind of stick to the more, like, aspirational inspiration of, like, filmmakers that are, significant leaps ahead right. of um, where I want to be. So mm. cool. Did that answer the no, question? No, that's great. Okay. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yes. <laughs> so just waiting around with the, the Enneagram for a couple more seconds. Again, cool. I'm glad you brought it up because as I, again, I was in creep mode going through all your yeah. stuff. I was <laughs> like, like literally in my Instagram yeah. bio. I was like, I'm a four the People too. need to know. That's right. They do. <laughs> And so I think it's been referred to as individualist or the romantic. I think there's a couple different. I yeah. don't know. You yeah. probably know much more. I think it just depends on what your wing is. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I think I'm wing three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you touched on it a little bit, but could you unpack a little bit more, like being being Enneagram four, wing five, uh, that individual, you know, uh, so how does that play out in your work? I think the one thing you said again is like, I'm going to do it my way, but there's the other aspects of the fours as well. Uh, so if you could just talk a little bit about with Troubadours and how you shoot stuff, what are some of your... If someone was looking at you, be like, "Oh, these are her things. Like this, these are these pop up consistently. The, the style or aesthetic or whatever." Yeah, I think for me, because I am like just kind of universally like fours are the people that will um, that are really comfortable with feelings. Mm-hmm. That we're not like I feel no responsibility to fix somebody who's having a hard day. But I can sit in those feelings of frustration or sadness. But I can also sit in those feelings of joy without manipulating it to anything else other than what it is. And so I think for me that kind of like intuition or like sensitivity to the feelings of the day, like specifically for weddings, Mm-hmm. Where I'm, I don't ever really go in. I mean, yes, you go in with like a shot list, like don't forget the first kiss kind of thing. But <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I have not forgotten that yet. But I don't go in with like a way I shoot a wedding. I don't mm-hmm. go in with like, well, I'm going to do sliders here or a drone here or anything like that. I go in and I kind of spend the first few minutes just kind, just trying to like soak in the day. What is the weather like? What is what music are they listening to while they're getting ready? What is the vibe of the day? And I think that being a four helps me be kind of sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the rest of the process is about continuously like cultivating that feeling. Um, being a wing five, it's also like that's the kind of side that kind of takes you more like internal, um, a little more introverted, a little less um, – like performance oriented. And so I think that that also helps a lot of my work is really like fly on the wall when Mm. it comes to things like that. And um, even like the fashion or the branding stories or anything else that I work on, I'm very interested in like the honest essence, like strip away the facades. Let's get down to who you really are and what makes you unique, because that's always what I'm interested in, even about myself. Um, yeah, I love the Enneagram, and it's helped me understand myself a lot, so I could talk about it for, like, your entire podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> so I think that's where I'll end. <laughs> Very nice, yes. No, I, I was the same way. As soon as I discovered it, I was like— I was I was happy because like oh this makes so many things make sense for myself but I was like oh no like I, I do do that or I am <laughs> it that was way. Really <laughs> funny because I was like we were listening to um, so uh, my husband is a two so we have a lot of feelings in our house just for like mm-hmm. we just come at them from different um, perspectives but we were listening to the um, audio book. And mm-hmm. I'm, like, sitting there in the car, like, trying to shrink away from this person who's just, like, reading me yeah. out loud. <laughs> and it was really it was really funny because, you know, they're like, fours are the most complex numbers on the Instagram, on the Enneagram, Instagram. <laughs> they're like, fours are the most complex numbers on the Enneagram. 
And then they get to five and they're like, fives are the most misunderstood numbers <laughs> on the Enneagram. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. This is great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Let's maybe put pause on this exactly. in the car and listen to this later in private. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Noah, have you taken Enneagram? No, I, no, this is very, this is all gibberish. <laughs> okay. I'm not following, but I'll catch up. Okay. <laughs> Basically, personality. Yeah, test. no, yeah, yeah. No, no. Shut them. up and let me talk. No. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh, if you're if you're feeling cheap and lazy, I will pay for you to take it because I would it, be fascinated. You're saying that this thing costs money. Well, I mean, you can find out without doing the test, uh, mm. but um, you know, to get the full juicy details mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, okay, it's, it's All right. inexpensive. I'll, you have money, Noah. Don't it. act like you don't. Uh, this French man. Anyway. You overestimate my wealth. <laughs> Uh, the last thing on this, and then we can leave the Enneagram, and you and I can start a separate podcast where we just Perfect. discuss uh, yes. the Enneagram. I'm ready. You, you talked about the deadly sin, and I think it's something specifically to force, but I think it's something that applies to a lot of artists, which is kind of that envy looking at other people, specifically young people, when we're like, we need to be successful right away. And then we're on Instagram, and we're like, that person's successful. I suck. For you, um, specifically that having be your deadly sin, how do you kind of combat that? And what advice would you maybe give to some of our listeners who maybe unhealthily feel that way a lot? Um, I think that I became extra aware of like how detrimental social media can be to your mental health. Like specifically in this context of um, like, comparison and things like that whenever. So I went full-time with my company April of 2017. And of course, like whenever you go full-time, you're like, I have all this time to create this dream. I have all these goals. And then in August, I found out that I had six days notice for like a major knee surgery. Oh my Um, And I ended up being literally confined to my bed for three months. Um, Oh no. So... So, like, whenever you're, like, an actual shut-in, that already does, like, weird stuff to your brain because, you know, like, your independence is taken away because you can't drive and all these Mm. different things. Um, But I also became very aware of the effect that whatever I was taking in had on my brain. And so it was really, like, it became so obvious that I'd be scrolling through, like, Instagram stories And I'd see someone like celebrating a victory in their business or like going on a cool trip or whatever it was. And immediately I'd be like, well, I'm just laying in bed. Mm. And I was like, I physically can't get out of bed. But somehow this is my fault that this stuff happened. And and I think that I started noticing kind of how like ridiculous it sounded. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of it is having to trust um, that you will be taken care of and that, you know, that those things will happen as they're supposed to happen. Um, and so for me, like I physic, like I have to set barriers to keep me away from like mindless social media. Um, the new like screen time thing on iPhones. Oh yeah. Highly suggest. I only <laughs> like now I have it on a limit because I do have to like Use it. I I love social media because I am an introvert and it allows me to stay connected to people mm-hmm. in a way that feels like accessible and safe to me. But it also can be that detrimental. But I also need it to grow my business, and so I have it for like an hour a day before mm-hmm. it. And you can mute it if you need it for work or whatever. But um, 
So that has actually just over the last couple of weeks made me a significantly like less jealous person because I'm just not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more you study, like for me, um, because I have so many, like I have these things that I'm doing now, but I also have a lot of like really lofty goals and like dreams of things I want to do. And when I look at people who are more on that level, just like not just two steps ahead of me, but like 20, (laughs) 20 to a hundred steps ahead of me, like they are not paying attention to what anyone else in their field is doing except for, like, their friends that they want to support. But for the most part, like, even I was listening, you know, to a comedian, and they're like, I don't watch comedy because Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, why did that person get that gig instead of me? Mm -hmm. They're like, instead, I'm I'm watching dramas or I'm not watching anything and I'm living life and gaining material from real-life experiences and— things like that. And like musicians, when they're going into the writing room are not typically listening to other people's new albums Mm -hmm. because they need to write what they need to write. And so I think that kind of releasing myself from the pressure to care if that, like that sounds selfish, but um, releasing myself from the, from the pressure to care about what's happening on social media helped a lot. Mm. And then I think, um, just understanding um, that time and time again, every time I think, like, I'm falling behind, I have, like, a conversation with someone who's feeling the exact same way. Yeah. And, like, we're all just really good at faking it. But, um, and so I think that keeping real-life communications and and just kind of keeping a healthy perspective with that um, is really important. And then, yeah, if you can't stop, like, the, self-loathing spiral just like literally put a barrier between it and Mm -hmm. just get it out of your life yeah it makes sense to me i think no i think we may have to take instagram breaks (laughs) there's so much of no and i being like look at this thing it's so beautiful Uh (laughs) i don't know we uh yeah you kind of have to find the balance between like i'm going to be inspired by this or i'm going to be like discouraged by this yeah yeah that's kind of the the health yeah, line. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that that's what my kind of like super kind of cliched way to think of it is if I was looking at someone's feed and they made me feel the word should, uh, then they like I unfollowed them straight mm, up because mm. um, if they made me feel like I was doing something when so much of my life I trust my gut, I go with my instinct yeah. and I am perfectly fine being that way. But if someone comes in and makes me think, oh, I guess I've been doing it wrong or like, oh, maybe I should be doing this instead. Then I just get that out of my, my feed Yeah, where like inspiration is great because mm-hmm. you're, you see what's possible and you can come up with ideas of, oh, they're doing it this way. That's something I could implement mm-hmm. and make my job or my work, you know, a higher level or more creative mm-hmm. or more efficient or whatever. But that's kind of my line is whenever I start feeling guilty for something I shouldn't feel guilty of for how I'm living my life is when it's not healthy and I cut it out. That's interesting with uh, like the idea of certain content providers, their, the subconscious, how they make you feel like I haven't really thought of that Mm because it's it's more like it's my Mm -hmm. interpretation, but the fact that maybe there's a snobbishness or a, some kind of like class system of like, you should be like this to where it's like, I don't want to follow this person because they just make me feel bad. I'll I'll have to 
put stuff through that filter going forward because I haven't. But I wonder yeah. if I'll see stuff where I'm like, this person actually sucks. Like, <laughs> hi, why am I looking at their stuff? <laughs> but, I mean, I, but I also think there's another other level to it to where that per, that might not be that per, what that sure. person's trying oh, yeah. to do. It's That's totally just how you, me. How you yeah. read yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people are straight up like problematic in their influencership or whatever yeah. it is mm-hmm. and they – um, like their entire marketing scheme is, don't you wish you were like me? Well, then buy all my things. Yeah. But for the most part, it's my response. Mm. But that's enough for me to. Sure. So it's like, oh, it's, yeah. no offense, but you're out of my life. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to personally <laughs> message them. Hey, just so you know, you made me feel this yeah. way and I yeah. followed you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> They're like, fine, because 7,000 people followed me the minute you unfollowed me. So bye. Yeah. <laughs> As a creator, that's also something you have to come to terms with. Is someone else is going to feel the same way about what you do, and you're like, exactly. that, that is like so valid. Like, yeah, go for it. Like, I, I am not for you. You know, yeah. to do your thing. <laughs> yeah, um, so true. Uh, mm-hmm. Very fascinating, and that's why I love the show, mm-hmm. making me think about things in new ways. It, mm-hmm. You're talking about the 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 secret, you know, uh, intention behind like the show. That's one is it's just for me, it's for me to get all the knowledge, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yes. Noah and I to think differently. So it's it's Same. fantastic. Thank you. Speaking of inspiration, I know that you love to travel. Can you give me, and I know sometimes lists stress people out, so don't feel like you're <laughs> held to this, but just what comes to mind, maybe like the top three places that you've been. If you want to change that, feel free to message us and we'll do a whole nother podcast where we <laughs> say, hey guys, Jessica's changed her list. <laughs> this is what it is okay. now. <laughs> I'm glad that there's no pressure. That's for right. <clears throat> um, I think, so I think the first one, um, because I'm I'm me, I'm a four. I'm going to go with, like, emotional connection mm-hmm. versus, like, ooh, this was cool. Um, my first trip overseas was to Oxford, England. Mm. And it was, like, two weeks after I graduated from high school, and I went by myself. And uh, that was just a really – I was, like, meeting up with friends, but they had to work. And so I spent most of my time, like, trying to explore Oxford and London on my own. And mm. I was – being 17 and doing that, it was just really incredible, like, how much kind of empowerment came from mm-hmm. this. Like, I had just graduated from high school. I'm about to go to college. And even though I went to college in the town I grew up in, it's still, like, a terrifying idea of, like, these people that have been my people for 18 years are no longer there and mm-hmm. all those different things. And so to have that kind of in my back pocket when I was about to start college was really cool. And I just, I fell in love with the idea of seeing how different people, um, lived. And I always felt a connection to England, even before I went there. And even now, which is interesting because I did end up marrying a Brit. Um, (laughs) so, but like, I always had that connection. Um, and so I think that just being my first experience like that was awesome. And it's, I was there during finals week, so, like, everyone was in their robes. So I was like, am I at Hogwarts? Like, am I in this magical (laughs) place? It was also just awesome. Um, And then I would say second would be – second would be I lived in Prague for a few months. Nice. I was wondering if that would pop up. Yeah, and that was – it was really – I love Prague. It's still, like, I would go there in a heartbeat because it's a beautiful city. Um, 
And the people were fascinating because you saw like this mix of like older traditions with just this complete other half just totally rebelling because they could now. Mm-hmm. Like just so bent on or so so intent on um, prioritizing self-expression because up until 20 years before that, you couldn't do it. And so I loved just the atmosphere. And then again, like that time I was living alone. I was working. It was my job to like go get my own phone and handle my mail and set mm-hmm. up my own internet. And so it was just this really um, empowering experience. And then I also got to one of my teammates there. It was like a short short cycle church planting team. So they were going to be there for like five years. And I came in for just a summer. Um, one of the women that I met there uh, – kind of was the first person, once I learned about the Enneagram, mm-hmm. that was was the first person who started kind of letting me know that this, like, alien or other than feeling that I kind of carry around mm-hmm. was actually, like, God-given and was a calling on my life and was okay. Mm. Um, and so just I'm pretty sure that I went to Prague just to meet that woman. Mm. Um, mm. And so that was really cool. And then um, probably third— was our honeymoon was actually a two-week-long road trip, two weeks-ish, where we drove from here to Seattle and back, and we drove, like, a whole circle around the West Coast. So we went up and over, and we came down and went um, home that way. Mm. And it was incredible to see. I hadn't really seen a lot of our country. Like, Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen a lot of the United States before I— before we did that, and it was crazy to watch, like, all these different landscapes happen. And then I totally fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. And yes. um, then we went to, like, we went to a Bethel service when we were in Redding, California. And and then just having that time, um, we were both in, like, really terrible job situations mm. when we got married. Mm. And so for us to just have, like— Literally this open road around us and nothing to do but just talk and dream for like 10 hours at a time was really awesome. And I loved every city that we visited, every place. So I think those would be my top. That's like a dream trip for me. It's just go up the West Coast. Yeah. It's incredible. (laughs) I'm hoping that God will just dump a pile of money on me that I can Same. go live uh, in Oregon, just have like a oh. cabin on the coast <laughs> yeah. and just hunt lobsters every there day. There have been so life. many times where we've been like, maybe we should just move to Seattle or Portland. Mm. And then we like do any amount of math of what it would take to like live there. We're like, yes. okay, well, or Arkansas is beautiful too. <laughs> we could have a house or we could go live there underneath a bridge. Exactly. <laughs> buy a cardboard box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, my friend is always begging me to come live with him in L.A. And I'm like, mm. no, I don't. I couldn't afford it. What, <laughs> what friend? Mick. Oh, oh, shut up, Noah. <laughs> Noah doesn't think I have other friends. <laughs> he's convinced he's my only friend. I, he's insecure. Just joking. I love you, Noah. Um, that you're, was a great you're, list. You're convinced that we're friends. Oh! oh! <laughs> Noah, transitioning from that hurtful comment, um, have wow. you, you being a Europe man, have you been to yeah. Prague or, or anywhere in England? No, that's, uh, well, I've been through London, but it doesn't okay. count if you're just in the in the Heathrow airport. 
Which yes. is not a place I would wish on anyone. So, <laughs> uh, but no, Prague is definitely on the list. Yeah, in Eastern Europe, and just yeah, there are many places I would still like to go to. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah Prague is. I, I interned in Spain, and everyone told me there they're like, "You got to go to Prague," and I was like, "Give me money, and I'll go." You yeah, know? but uh, <laughs> right. I will say, once you get there, is super cheap nice. because they're not on any like euro or anything. They're mm. still on their own money. And so I was like, oh, this bottle of water, by the time I converted it, was a quarter. Like, so yeah. once you Dang. get there, it's oh, cheap. <laughs> so that's magical. You just got to get the plane ticket and you're good to go. Okay. That's so funny about just like that whole area of the world in general where you could go to a place and you're technically poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you, if yeah. you go to Switzerland, you can't even touch anything. You know, it's, <laughs> it's expensive to touch. But then you can go to a place like that or go to Romania or whatever. And yeah. you're like the wealthiest person. Yeah. Because like, whenever I went to England, like it was depressing because you like hand them. Like, you know, 20 American dollars. Yeah. Like, here's 10. Yeah. Oh. Are you stealing from me? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> exactly. It could be, and I would not know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. One last question, just getting to know you, and then we can end just more on some of the art stuff. But uh, again, in, in my Creeper journey, I saw that um, hardcore music was something that you stated was something you were, thought you would leave behind but have not. And I saw that it was under oath and that made me very happy because oh, no. I recently oh, went through a hard revisit of under oath, was at my desk just like knocking my head back. So beyond hardcore music, what are some other things just from your past that you either if it's nostalgia or just genuine love that um, – are still with you today, any kind of medium. Hmm. And if nothing comes to mind, we can just talk about the hardcore music. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hardcore music is probably the biggest one. Mm. Um, It's so funny because I also like, I love folk music and I love like indie acoustic, but there is something about hardcore music that I will always carry with me. It's such an emotional experience, but there is a lot of nostalgia with that because I like, Whenever I was in high school here, we had a place called the Music Hall, which was a hardcore venue. And it was, like, really safe. They had a lot of rules in place. Mm. So, like, you Mm. could literally just get dropped off there every weekend, go to a show. And so it became this, like, community. And it was very much a community of misfits, which is something I was all about. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, and so I love that. Uh, Let me think. Oh, uh, my—a lot of it, I guess, is music-related— um, my best friend um, from high school, who is still one of my best friends, like we love musicals, mm. and mm. we also really love um, the Riot album from Paramore. Yes. So Classic. we um, spent multiple night drives where the windows were down, and we were just screaming misery to business, mm. like at the top <laughs> yes. of our lungs, um, and. I, yeah, and I think that, like, the, like, indie movies that are almost, like, purposefully bad mm. was also a part of that <laughs> <laughs> best friend. Like, we watched so many movies that, like, I tried to, I'll try to watch them again, and I'm like, half of me is so in love with this movie, <laughs> but, but, like, half of me is so embarrassed that I like this, so. That's awesome. And Disney, because I'm. Well, you're human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and being, so uh, James, like, he is, he was born in England. His parents are, like, 
um, significantly older. They were like 45 and 55 when they had mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't grow, and he's an only child uh-huh. of theirs. So like him being an only son, like Disney was not a part of their lives. That's, but we that's went so to sad. <laughs> we went <laughs> to Disney World. <laughs> like we went to Orlando, just the two of us. We went to like Disney, and then we went to Harry Potter World. And like I lost all chill at Disney, and he had no <laughs> idea why I was like, these these people like shaped me. He's like, these aren't like these are actors. I'm like, doesn't matter. It's Ariel. So yeah, it doesn't so, matter. Yeah, I would say those are it. But yeah, mostly hardcore is the big one. Very nice. Well, again, we can we can bond over that. Yeah, there's for no sure. shame. I guess Noah has some shame. Maybe what? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell what your 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 disposition on it. Do you are, do you get into the? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Prove I, it. Give me I, some names right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, hardcore is kind of a – it's a broad term. I'm not there hearing any names, no There are a lot of subsets of hardcore. Hunter Oath was one of them. I I don't know if I was huge into them. Um, I think I got into them later after their, their big wave, and then that was fun. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there were a lot of bands back in the day. Um, not too much – I don't know. I feel like Under Oath was in its own kind of category of like, yeah. well, these guys are Christian, <laughs> yes. but they don't necessarily sing about <laughs> Christian like, stuff. They're, so they're Christian enough that you can yeah. claim for your non-Christian friends exactly. and they can get saved, exactly. but they won't know it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, your, and your mom won't yell at you yeah. for, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. listening to that kind of music. And But yeah. they would like do Warped Tour and stuff like yes. that, you know. Um, but yeah, back in the day, oh man, there was like... Kill Switch Engage, uh, Avenged Sevenfold is like one of my all time favorites. And like, I have, yeah, a lot of bands like that. Yeah. That I, it was I, so I funny dear. with hardcore because, like, before that, I was like, pop punk was mm. like, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, Relent K and like House yeah. of Heroes. Like, sure. those were my two bands. And then it was a prank. Someone in, I was uh, in marching band. <laughs> and someone in the band, like, came and like put their headphones over my ears, fully expecting to freak me out. And it was Norma Jean. And uh-huh. I immediately like grabbed onto the headphones. I was like, what is this? Yes. Like, I found my place. And- yeah. Hasn't left. So. Yes, they're like I was expecting a different reaction. Yeah, but this they is were great. Like expecting <laughs> me to just start crying or whatever. And I was yeah. like, no, this is the <laughs> best thing I've heard. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we all got to take that little trip together <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, down hardcore memory lane. Yeah. Um, back to Troubadours, you hinted that, not, I mean, necessarily hinted, but it seems like, you know, while really enjoying the wedding stuff, there's also a desire to, to get into some other types of storytelling. Can you expand upon that, what you kind of envision for you guys moving forward and uh, the kind of stuff, videos or stories you want to tell more? Yeah, I think that... Um so just kind of like a little bit of backstory. Um, so when I, after a couple of years, my second job out of college, I got to work for Crystal Bridges and I was their media producer. And during the couple of years that I was there, um, they were doing the show called State of the Art, which was a bunch of people who were, um, they hadn't quite made it on like the national museum scale scale, but they were using their art either in just new ways for the medium or to tell a new story that warranted a national platform and crystal bridges being like as prominent in the museum world as it was, but also having a little bit of a grassroots feel was like the perfect place for that. And so through that, um, while, 
um, let me think. They they had like a hundred artists, and I got to go personally visit fifty of them and interview them in their wow. studio and like watch mm. them make work. And I think that that kind of started um, this like reawakening of the fact that I was I was like called or drawn to this industry and to being an artist to um, tell stories and, and not just wedding stories, but to, but to be an artist. Um, and, and I love weddings, but it is very much like, it's the way you can build your business to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. it's something you can do on the weekends while you have a full-time job. And, you know, I don't upcharge an exorbitant amount, but like it can be really steady income and it's good on a technical side because you have to stay on your toes. You have to learn how to make the strangest lighting situations still Mm -hmm. look good or Mm -hmm. how to make a really crazy day still look really beautiful and have like some breathing room in your edit and things like that. And so I love them and I don't want them to like go away as far as my work, but um, sitting there with some of the people, I met some of the most impressive artists um, while I was on that, while I was on that trip um, who had given up like so many things just to be able to like tell the story Mm. that they felt like they were here to tell. Mm. Um, You know, you had people who you had a black artist who had just had a son who was trying to figure out how do I raise this son to be a black man in America? Like, Mm. and, and to take that um, and to take that artwork and to put it in Northwest Arkansas and make, Northwest Arkansans think about something that isn't really on their radar and like Mm -hmm. to tell the world the story just to bring a new sense of empathy or understanding or just questions about something that um, is out of the norm, I think kind of started this um, kind of reawakening or shift. Um, I remember telling like my family and my husband, because I was traveling alone for all of these, Mm -hmm. I remember saying like, after my first interview with an artist, I was like, I am going to be a different person at the end of this process. Mm. And so like, I hope you guys are fine (laughs) with like what's about to happen. And so I think that that just kind of reminded me of like, I fell in love with filmmaking because, um, and I think I was a little like insecure to own it for a while, but like, because I'm an artist. Mm. And so like, I'm kind of in the practice now of like trying to, refer to myself as a filmmaker, not just a videographer. Mm. And that's like real semantics, but like actually trying to pay attention to that of like being okay with the fact that like, that's really what I want to do. And so when it comes to like, like on a business side, I am really wanting to push like brands and local businesses in, um, to think about their story, like, on a deeper level, like, not just, like, talking heads. Hello, I'm so-and-so, and and here is my brand. Like, to really think about, like, why are you doing what you're doing? What is the real story as far as, like, who you are and what you bring to this? And um, so, like, creating brand stories versus brand promos and really invoking feelings Mm. um, that we can share, like, as as, like, a group of humans – Um, and then I'm also, uh, 
wanting to do more like fine art base. So having projects that can like, um, it would be different, but like to have like videos that are meant for like gallery experiences and Mm. things like that. And then I also just really want to get back to like making a film as like intimidating as I can be. Like the blank page is obviously like one of the scariest things you can do, but I think after seeing some of the films that have come out over the last couple of years where they're so impactful because they use an everyday person as like a Trojan horse for a bigger, important topic. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, like you don't have to have this crazy, complex, like epic story. You just have to have a person that feels like someone you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that's a place that I can go because in that like realm of comparison, you know, there's like, the film industry goes in all these waves where it's like, it has to be about a war hero or it has to be about a superhero or a historical figure or whatever. But now we're kind of back in this world where it's like, or it could be Ladybird or just, just a girl like graduating Bird, from yeah. high school, you know, yeah. or it could be like Moonlight, which was just about two kids mm-hmm. and um, things like that. So like, the Florida project where you think you're just watching kids be kids. And then you realize it's an entire discussion on like poverty and wealth in the United States and how that affects family structure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like those kind of things are the projects I'm really interested in that because I am, because I am a very privileged person, um, using the creative tools at hand to really allow, like to really open up spaces for people to, understand that they're not alone, to understand that they are incredibly worthy and inspiring no matter what story they have, and to let us just kind of talk about some stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of, like, super specifics, like, well, I'm releasing this thing, but that's kind of the direction I'm wanting to take everything, um, is where we're just being really honest in really beautiful ways. Yeah, I like that. No, it, that all of that excites me because I mean, no, and I. Besides the um, interviews, we do topic discussion as well, and so our last one was the the giant, uh, you know, topic of the importance of art, and so a lot of the stuff you said of kind of like creating empathy or you know using these smaller scale stories to talk about something bigger. And so as you were talking, I was like, again from my creepage, I was like, she's probably referring to Ladybird. Yeah. Call me by <laughs> your name. Like, yeah. oh Moonlight. Call like, me by your name. Yes. Yeah. And, I can't like, believe I didn't even list that. Call me by your name. <laughs> boom. But just like just like a here's a here's a summer that happened for yeah. one young person's yeah. life. But here's how it you know we can all relate to this one kid's yeah. you know thing. Well and like some of those things specifically like with Call Me by Your Name I was saying to someone after I left the theater, because I had to, like, sit there until they were, like, done cleaning. So mm. I was like, I need a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you got to process like, I need it. And then I, like, sat in my car. I was like, I need five more minutes. <laughs> but it, like, made me nostalgic for a time and place that I literally, like, I wasn't born mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And, and those, I think that, that some of those projects that have come out because they're just like people I know or just like me. And I think that, that that's what I was— that's what I feel like is so powerful about art in general, but then specifically in, um, I think especially specifically in like music and film Mm -hmm. where you get this really deep sense of like, Oh, somebody else thinks this, like I'm not Mm -hmm. alone. And I think that to me, that's just the most powerful thing that you can do Mm -hmm. for a person is to remind them that, 
they're not alone and that everyone is uh, is on their own journey that's similar. Yeah, I was, well, we were just talking about this recently. I was telling Kyle, <clears throat> I'm a sucker for a coming of age story like that. And it's just oh, like, yeah. Um, yeah, Lady Bird or uh, a few years ago, it was The Edge of 17. Yeah. That was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I read this uh, graphic novel recently called This One Summer, um, which I heavily recommend. And it's just beautiful to look at. Um, the, just the color scheme is great, but just, is that just, Literally, like you said, oh, this is some just this thing that happened somewhere at a cabin, and it's great, you know. Yeah. Like there's not there's nothing you know grand that happens or whatever. It's just people, and then sometimes they argue, and sometimes they get along, and it's great. <laughs> it's like real people. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I love that. Well, two things on that, Noah. A, I I borrowed that from Noah, and I finished it. Mm. I have it in my bag. Yeah. So remind me to give it back to you. Okay. It was very beautiful. Um, <laughs> second, I think that's a great tie-in to your kind of uh, uh, philosophy, if you will. Now, forgive me, I have to look at my phone for this quote, but you recently posted it and said, when you realize that you are enough, I'll be there. And you've kind of talked about how that's become the the mantra for the stories that you want to tell. And so I think that like what Noah said and based off what you said earlier, there's this idea that it's like, oh, maybe something super traumatic had to happen to you or you had to be a war hero. Your life has to be this certain way for you to be valuable or for your experience to be meaningful. And obviously in relation to trauma, there can be difference. Like like that person had a much, you know, on paper harder time, but we all feel, we all have experiences. And so um, I think that's a really cool approach to to storytelling. And so mm-hmm. obviously, you know, looking at your stuff on Vimeo and whatever, I'm like, oh, these are all beautiful and they're cool. But the, on that selfish side, I'm like, I would love to see a film from Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, coming in 2020. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put it here. <laughs> um, no, can can we talk about like religion on this? podcast absolutely no, not no. okay no go okay. ahead <laughs> no i like I, I like listened to a few of your podcasts but i was like oh, i can't remember if it's like expl- like if you can we accept anything and okay. everything you can but we bleep it out okay cool 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 <laughs> great um so get ready for like 30 seconds of silence no um i think that part of it is just like for me the entire point of like because i do I am a Christian and I do believe in God and I, and I'm not trying to be like an explicitly Christian artist because that gets made fun of all the time. And, but I, but it does influence hopefully everything I do. And I think that that's been like the biggest thing that I've tried to remind myself is that every person that I come across, um, whether in creative world or in normal world is literally worth dying for. Mm. And, because that's what Jesus did. <laughs> and so I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of where that, like, um, when you realize that you're worthy, like, it's not about you becoming worthy. You're already there. Like, you just have to realize it. And that's one of the reasons why I want to tell your story is because by sharing it to the world, I help you know that. By other people commenting, even as silly as it is, like, oh my gosh, this, what a beautiful bride, or these people are so in love, or, mm-hmm. oh, I can't, I love that story, or whatever it is. Like, that's other people that you don't even know reminding you of that as well. Mm. And so that's what I love about, like, the world. That's the one of the good things about social media. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about the world of art is that you're already there. Um, you just have to realize it. Yeah, just the fact that you exist already means that you are 
awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're, yeah. you're a creation. You're, yeah. you're a person. And being a human is hard. Oh, yeah. Like no matter. <laughs> That's the worst. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. No matter what you're carrying, yeah. like. There, it's hard. I've never done anything harder. And so, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. No, you're killing yeah. me. <laughs> and so, like, getting out of bed is an impressive yes. feat for most people. And so, by you getting up and, like, trying at all, like, mm-hmm. makes you an incredible person. It makes you so inspiring. Um, yeah, because it can get really difficult. So, 100%. That's kind of where yeah. that comes from. I like it. Got one last question for you, Jessica, and then we will transition to our rapid fire, and then we'll wrap things up. (laughs) Um, You talked about how um, while you were uh, building Troubadours that you came upon this artist, Ail Vidal? How do you oh, say her Ale, name? yeah. Ale, dang yeah. it. I had, you know, you're good. I had 50% and I messed it up. Anyway, I am Ale. so sure that she is used to people not pronouncing her name correctly. Okay. Well, I'm used to my last name being pronounced incorrectly, mm-hmm. so maybe we can bond a little bit that way. <laughs> but you said that uh, upon discovering her work that you just immediately resonated with it. And then later, I'm not quite sure the time frame, you can unpack that for us, but the opportunity presented itself for you guys or for her to mentor you. And so, A, I just think that that's fascinating, being able to like find someone that you really, you know, uh, look up to and then getting to be mentored by them. So I want you to just talk about that whole experience, how that came to be, maybe what you learned from her. And then I have uh, like one follow-up question from that. But Okay, I will try to do this in a way that is as concise as possible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I found her, and it's funny because I think this is what's so cool, is our styles are pretty different. Like, as Mm. far as how we make videos is kind of similar, but she's very, like, feminine and floral, and beauty is, like, one of her big things. And my, like, my brain immediately goes to, like, weird. And, like, can we make this a little darker? Like, even (laughs) though I've got, like, these weddings, like, anytime it's just me, It's like, can we make this a little creepy? Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit of a different, we have different styles, but um, just watching her like own it in a way that was really unique and and find success in it was really inspiring because she does the same thing that I hope to do like with brand videos where it's not about like telling the bullet points of your business. It's about letting people know how your brand is supposed to make them feel and Things like that. And she, everything she did felt like a piece of art where sometimes I feel a little stuck, um, like managing expectations of like our geographical area where Mm. there's sort of this like education side of like, trust me, what you think you want, we can do so much better. Mm. So like having someone who's been successful in creating um, just this like sense of trust around her work was really inspiring as I was building Troubadours. And um, so I'd been following her for a while. And then it was actually just the summer that I got to be mentored by her. Mm. So, again, this is where you keep your inspirations. You get rid of the people who don't inspire you. And so she'd always been on my Instagram feed, and I loved following her because she would give that behind-the-scenes look as well as just these gorgeous pieces of art. Mm. And I would always comment on, like, what I liked about it, um, like, how I liked how it made me feel or I I resonated with something she said in the captions or things like that. And she uh, actually reached out to me saying, I'm, like, in beta testing for this mentorship. I'm only taking five this year. 
do you want to do this? Mm. And so it felt kind of risky and selfish on one level because I hadn't like financially invested in anything other than gear at this point. Mm-hmm. So like to, to financially invest in like this person educating me when I already know how to make videos, like all those different things was like initially where I kind of wasn't sure. And then as I began being really honest about this like shift that I'm feeling, it's a really scary one because I know how to be a successful wedding videographer. And if I wanted to be like a truly commercial videographer, I also would know how to be successful in that because those are two really well-worn paths. Mm -hmm. But what I'm wanting to do is going to kind of put me in this field, like with my flag raised up and hoping people find it and resonate with it. And so it's a really like vulnerable place. And so as I kept feeling that and feeling kind of afraid and worried about like what what was going to happen, and I just really felt like this was something that I needed to do to kind of help quiet those doubts was to go listen to somebody who's already been there Um, and so, yeah, so we did like, I did like some mentorship homework before, and then it culminated into this like 10 hour day in Phoenix with her where we shot and we worked through projects, but because I kind of already, because I already know how to do like the technical side of video, Mm -hmm. we got to talk a lot about like why I'm here and what my message is Mm -hmm. and and w- what my priorities are and things like that. And I think that that was what was incredible is I think that you can be the most, like, self-assured person, but you still need, like, permission givers in your life. Mm. You still need people that either because of because of whatever role they play in your professional or personal life, that it just it makes everything so much easier for to hear from them you can and you should do this. Yeah. And so for me, like, whenever it was time to send her, like, projects that I was proud of, I sent her um, this, like, project that I called In the Midst, which is, like, an intentionally more raw approach to, like, a family in-home session where it's just, like, a couple sitting around and talking about their kid while their kid's, like, playing and making noise around them and, like, some more, like, casual B-roll and that was a project that I made that I was like, if I'm going to do like portraits, this is what I want them to be like. And, um, then I sent her another one where like I had just showed up to this fashion shoot and it totally evolved while we were there and just felt really good. Mm-hmm. And so for her to, to see this in the midst, which I had felt a little bit insecure about because it wasn't like a big seller or anything mm-hmm. like that. And for her to respond and just be like, this is so unique and like what a special thing for you to provide having someone who isn't just like my friend and you have to say that was really important I think and and was specifically supposed to happen in this summer where um I could see I learned I did learn a lot about like practical things on how she like manages time and expectations and environments and things like that but I think for me to sit and process out loud with someone that this is where my heart is. This is where my dreams are. And her to say, yeah, go for it because you can was really powerful. Yeah. Dang, you answered all the follow-up yeah. questions oh. I have. <laughs> yep. <Sorry>. like, <laughs> I like No, trying, don't apologize. You nailed <laughs> I'm it. I'm trying to like, because afterwards, like, so I, I did the 10 hours and uh, James came with me to Phoenix, but he, like, it was just me in the mentorship 
because we and so we were just going to take like a few days to just explore because I hadn't been to Phoenix or Arizona before, except for just driving through. And so, um, I like came back to our Airbnb and he was like, how was it? And I literally just sat on the couch and wept. Mm. So I feel like pretty proud about the fact that I have now moved from weeping and having no words to being (laughs) able to answer all of your questions. (laughs) So yeah, no, it was, it was very concise. And Mm -hmm. I mean, again, every little follow-up thing that I was going to have was was covered. (laughs) And so I, I specifically was interested in that myself because I think that's something I've kind of had in the back of a mind of being like, I think that I, would like and need, uh, I know I need, but I think I would like a mentor. And so when I saw that pop up while researching you, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I think the word specific that you use that I love is like the permission giver because, yeah, it's like with friends, you can be inspired and filled up and with, you know, like family, like it's fun to share. But to have that kind of professional voice yeah. and a little bit of emotional distance, yeah. you know, like you can bond no, exactly. and stuff. I think would be really powerful. And so I just was curious, yeah, how that whole process went and why it was beneficial and how it looked for you. So it's kind of just affirming for me that I think that's something I need to do. And um, for our listeners too, I think you can always be better. Yeah, I think that's it too. It's really easy whenever you're like fully professional in your field to just do what works because like if you're self-employed, like you don't feel like you have the time or the luxury to like change anything. Mm-hmm. You need to do what works because that's what's getting your clients and that's what the expectations are. And so it's really easy to just kind of stay in that um, simply because you don't even feel like you have the time because you have all these deadlines or whatever. And so I think that um, that's where whenever you like whenever you have a mentor, like that process alone of working with someone kind of makes you have that time. Um, you have to take it. You have to talk through what you're doing and ask questions and do all these things. And then to have, yeah, that feedback. Um, I think that, cause I've had a couple different instances where I would consider someone coming in just to be a permission giver. And it's just so important, especially if they're people who like have no reason to care. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's the important thing. Like when it comes to like a mentorship, Everyone should always be, like, trying to get better and improve in their, like, technical side of their art. But to have that person just, like, objectively, like, encouraging you or guiding you or whatever is uh, what I have found just in the last summer, like, to be invaluable. Yeah. Mm, Well said. Well, no, I got caught up in my own questions. So before we transition to rapid fire, is there anything that your French face would like to ask? (laughs) French face. Jessica's non-French face. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that was really thorough. I, I was just sitting back and listening, and it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Jessica, are you ready for no. rapid fire? Okay. Well, I'll try my Prepare best. Prepare yourself. <laughs> so if you've listened, you know the drill. Yeah. Just some quick questions, yes or no, or whatever the answer okay. is. <clears throat> uh, no pressure to get anything 100% right. We're just going to... It's that subconscious reaction. Sure, sure. We'll attack you if you get it wrong. Okay, I'm like, yeah. I didn't realize there were right or wrong answers to Noah this. seems very chill, but he can be quite aggressive during rapid fire. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, he's just got stuff ready to throw at me. It's oh, fine. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Rapid fire. First question. Polar bear versus grizzly bear. Grizzly bear. All right. Beyonce or iron and wine? Oh, gosh. 
I can't choose that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Say, They're uh, two different worlds. <laughs> but so, I have been, I have seen Beyonce live three times and I've cried three times. <laughs> it's quite a powerful experience. So. Fantastic. <laughs> Who has better hair, Lauren or me? Oh no! I'm gonna say Lauren. <laughs> uh, it hurts, but it's She's okay because you're honest. She's been on the journey with her hair. So. It's true. I I'm proud it. of her. <sighs> New Blade Runner or the old Blade Runner? Oh no! <laughs> um, mm, I'm just gonna say the new one because I rewatched it again, and it's just. It's fantastic, and I agree with you. Um, You could pause it the entire time and just print every single frame, and it'd be perfect. It (laughs) is true. I love that movie. (laughs) Amy Schumer or Chris Githard? Oh, Chris, for sure. Fantastic. Dear Evan Hansen or Hamilton? Oh, no. (laughs) That's another hard one because I do love what if it's us? There's, uh, there's, there's an objective right answer. I'm going to say Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton? Yeah. Just social impact alone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, why is it that when I call people, they don't call me back? Um, you're calling the wrong time of day. Okay. Uh, and last, best way to spend a weekend? Ooh. Um, on a road trip, trying new things to eat and trying new coffee shops. I love it. Yeah. Jessica, you have been such a boss. Thank you oh, for coming this in. This fun. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, either people have lied to us or, you know, <laughs> it, it's true. But thankfully, no, no one has left crying in a yeah, bad yeah. way or thrown things at us. I do take pride in being honest. So I, if I didn't think it was fun, I would have just not said anything. Okay. So, yeah, although yeah. If, if Beyonce makes people cry, I think we, we, <laughs> yeah. we need to step it up. Well, that's why I said in a Listen, bad way. Yeah, so. yeah, in a bad way. <laughs> we can see pure need to emotional bring, tears. Like, the, just like the ultimate power in yeah, your presence, and so. you'll get there. We'll you'll just, get there. We'll just bring Beyonce. Beyonce. Oh, man. Well, I was going to say, know. or maybe Noah, you could just take off your shirt next time because that's the ultimate power. Well, yeah, I think that's so. true. That's true. <laughs> Noah keeps it tight, especially uh, after Thanksgiving. That's right. <laughs> Look at my love handles. Um, anyway, Jessica. I'm sure that people would want to check out your stuff. So you go ahead right now and plug all the places people can find you. I'll be sure to put stuff in the show notes, but where should people look for your stuff? Cool. Well, right now, um, you guys heard it first. Uh, Troubadours is transitioning to Jessica Whalen Films, but you can find our Instagram still is Troubadours, and it's spelled wrong on purpose. It's T-R-U-E-B-A-D-O-U-R-S. Um, that's not how you spell troubadour. I know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so if you're interested in only looking at videos and things I make, go there. If you're interested in my random thoughts and pictures of my dogs, you can go to Troubadour Jess on Instagram. And those are two of the biggest ones. And then if you want to see, like, my full range of work, it's Vimeo.com set Troubadours. Fantastic. And as always, you can find Noah and I on Instagram. Noah, I miss you. I'm glad to see you here. I'm and I'm glad we're going to get some one-on-one time together yeah. after Ooh. Jessica leaves. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. we Talk have about a- video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been messaging you entire Like, I can't wait to talk to you about this video it's game. Adorable. We're so nerdy. <laughs> Anyway, Jessica, I hope that the rest of your evening is fantastic. I'm excited to see what you do. And I uh, hope all our listeners out there have a wonderful evening. Yep. Good night. Okay. Or good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck either way. Yeah.